Chapter One of Over There War Scenes on the Western Front. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. Over There War Scenes on the Western Front by Arnold Bennett. Chapter One The Zone of Paris. From the balcony you look down upon massed and variegated treetops as though you were looking down upon a valley forest from a mountain height those trees whose hidden trunks make alleys and squares are rooted in the history of france on the dusty gravel of the promenade which runs between the gardens and the street a very young man and a girl tiny figures are playing with rackets at one of those second-rate ball games beloved by the french petit bourgeois their jackets and hats are hung on the corner of the fancy wooden case in which an orange tree is planted they are certainly perspiring in the heavy heat of the early morning they are also certainly in love this lively dalliance is the preliminary to a day's desk work it seems ill-chosen silly futile the couple have forgotten if they ever knew that they are playing at a terrific and long-drawn moment of crisis in a spot sacred to the finest civilization from the balcony you can see close by the louvre with its sculptures extending from jean coujon to carpeau the church of saint clotilde where cesar franc for forty years hid his genius away from popularity the railway station of the quai d'orsay which first proved that a terminus may excite sensations as fine as those excited by a palace or a temple the dome of the invalides the unique facades equal to any architecture of modern times to the north of the place de la concorde where the ministry of marine has its home nobody who knows paris and understands what paris has meant and still means to humanity can regard the scene without the most exquisite sentiments of humility affection and gratitude it is impossible to look at the plinths the mouldings the carvings of the ministry of marine and not be thrilled by that supreme expression of national art and all this escaped that is the feeling which one has all this beauty was menaced with disaster at the hands of beings who comprehended it even less than the simple couple playing ball beings who have scarcely reached the beginnings of comprehension and who joined a barbaric ingenuousness to a savage cruelty it was menaced but it escaped perhaps no city was ever in acuter peril it escaped by a miracle but it did escape it escaped because tens of thousands of soldiers in thousands of taxicabs advanced more rapidly than any soldiers could be expected to advance the population of paris has revolted and is hurrying to ask mercy from us thought the reconnoitering simpletons in taubes when they noted beneath them the incredible procession of taxicabs going north but what they saw was the sixth army whose movement changed the campaign and perhaps the whole course of history a great misfortune has overtaken us said a german officer the next day it was true greater than he suspected 
the horror of what might have happened the splendor of what did happen mingle in the awed mine as you look over the city from the balcony the city escaped and the event seemed vaster and more sublime than the mind can bear the streets of paris have now a perpetual aspect of sunday morning only the sound of church bells is lacking a few of the taxicabs have come back but all the autobuses without exception are away behind the front so that the traffic is forced underground where the railways are manned by women a horse bus dug up out of the past jogs along the most famous boulevard in the world like a country diligence with a fat laughing peasant woman clinging to its back step and collecting fair money into the immense pocket of her black apron many of the most expensive and unnecessary shops are shut the others wait with strange meekness for custom but the provision shops and all the sturdy cheap shots of the poor go on naturally without any self-consciousness just as usual the pavements show chiefly soldiers in a wild new variety of uniforms from pale blue to black imitated and adapted from all sources and especially from england and widows and orphans the number of young girls and women in mourning in the heavy mourning affected by the latin race is enormous this crepe is the sole casualty list permitted by the french war office it suffices supreme grief is omnipresent but it is calm cheerful smiling widows glance at each other with understanding like initiates of a secret and powerful society never was paris so disconcertingly odd and yet never was it more profoundly itself between the slow realization of a monstrous peril escaped and the equally slow realization of its power to punish the french spirit angered and cold knows at last what the french spirit is and to watch and share its mood is positively ennobling to the stranger paris is revealed under an enchantment on the surface of the enchantment the pettiness of daily existence persists queerly two small rooms and a kitchen on a sixth floor you could put the kitchen of which the cooking apparatus consists of two gas rings in the roots of the orange tree in the tuileries garden everything is plain and stringently tidy everything is a special item separately acquired treasured i see again a watercolor that i did years ago and had forgotten it lives protected by a glazed frame and by the pride of possession the solitary mistress of this immaculate home is a spinster seamstress in the thirties she earns three francs a day and is rich because she does not spend it all and has never spent it all inexpressibly neat smiling philosophical helpful she has within her a contentious and formidable tiger which two contingencies and two only will arouse the first contingency springs from any threat of marriage you must not seek a husband for her she is alone in the world and she wants to be the second springs from any attempt to alter her habits which in her sight are as sacredly immutable as the ritual of an asiatic pagoda last summer she went to a small town to which is attached a very large military camp to help her sister-in-law in the running of a cafe
the excursion was to be partly in the nature of a holiday but indefatigable on a chair with a needle she could not stand for hours on her feet ministering to a sex of which she knew almost nothing she had the nostalgia of the parisian garret she must go home to her neglected habits the war was raging she delayed from a sense of duty but at last her habits were irresistible officers had said lightly that there was no danger that the germans could not possibly reach that small town nevertheless the train that the spinster seamstress took was the last train to leave and as the spinster seamstress departed by the train so the sister-in-law departed in a pony cart with a son and a grandmother in the pony cart together with such goods as the cart would hold and through staggering adventures reached safety at troy and how did you yourself get on i asked the spinster seamstress she answered it was terrible ordinarily it is a journey of three or four hours but that time it lasted three days and two nights the train was crammed with refugees and with wounded one was obliged to stand up one could not move but where did you sleep i did not sleep do i not tell you one is obliged to stand up i stood up all the first night the floor was thirty centimeters deep in filth the second night one had settled down somewhat i could sit but about eating oh i had a little food that i brought with me and drinking nothing till the second day one could not move but in the end we arrived i was broken with fatigue i was very ill but i was home the boches drank everything in the cafe everything but the building was spared it stood away from the firing how long do you think the war will last i'm beginning to think it will last a long time so they say she murmured glancing through the window at the prospect of roofs and chimney cowls provided that it finishes well except by the look in her eyes and by the destruction of her once good complexion it was impossible to divine that this woman's habits had ever been disturbed in the slightest detail but the gaze and the complexion told the tale next the boulevard saint germain a majestic flat heavily and sombrely furnished the great drawing-room is shut and sheeted with holland it has been shut for twenty years the mistress of this home is an aged widow of inflexible will and astounding activity she gets up at five a m and no cook has ever yet satisfied her the master is her son a bachelor of fifty he is paralyzed and always perfectly dressed in the english taste he passes his life in a wheeled chair the home is centred in his study full of books engravings a large safe telephone theatrophone newspapers cigarettes easy chairs when i go in an old friend a stockbroker is there and these and thous abound in the conversation which runs on investments the new english loan banking accounts in london the rent moratorium in paris and the war it is said that every german is a critic of war but so is every frenchman a critic of war the criticism i now hear is the best spoken criticism utterly impartial that i have heard in some says the grey-headed stockbroker there disengages itself from the totality of the facts an impression tolerably clear that all goes very well on the west front 
which is reassuring but the old lady invincible after seven and a half decades spent in the hard acquirement of wisdom will not be reassured she is not alarmed but she will not be reassured she treats the two men with affectionate malice as children she knows that those birds that is to say the germans will never be beaten because they are forever capable of inventing some new trick she will not sit still a bit of talk and she runs off with the agility of a girl to survey her household then returns and cuts into the discussion if you are coming to lunch bennett she says come before monday because on monday my cook takes herself away and as for the new one i should dare to take nothing you don't know bennett you don't know that at a given moment it was impossible to buy salt i mean they sold it to you unwillingly in little screws of paper it was impossible to get enough figure that to yourself you from london as for chicory for the morning cafe au lait it existed not gold could not buy it and again she said speaking of the fearful days in september nineteen fourteen what would you we waited my little coco is nailed there he cannot move without a furniture van filled with things essential to his existence i did not wish to move we waited quite simply we waited for them to come they did not come so much the better that is all i have never encountered anything more radically french than the temperament of this aged woman next the luxury quarter the establishment of one of those fashionable dressmakers whom you patronize and whose bills startle all save the most hardened she is a very handsome woman she has a husband and two little boys they are all there the husband is a retired professional soldier he has a small and easy post in a civil administration but his real work is to keep his wife's books in august he was re-engaged and ready to lead soldiers under fire in the fortified camp which gallieni has evolved out of the environ of paris but the need passed and the uniform was laid aside the two little boys are combed and dressed as only french and american children are combed and dressed and with a more economical ingenuity than american children each has a beautiful purple silk necktie and a beautiful silk handkerchief to match you may notice that the purple silk is exactly the same purple silk as the lining of their mother's rich mantle hanging over a chair back i had to dismiss my last few work girls on saturday said the dressmaker it was no longer possible to keep them i had seventy you know now not one for a time we made considerably less than the rent now we make nothing nevertheless some american clients have been very kind her glance went round the empty white salons with their mirrors and sculptured frames not of her stock was left except one or two fragile blouses and a few original drawings said the husband we are eating our resources i will tell you what this war means to us it means that we shall have to work seven or eight years longer than we had the intention to work what would you he lifted his arms and lowered the corners of his mouth and then he turned again to the military aspect of things elaborating it the soldier in him finished it is necessary all the same to admire these cursed germans 
admire them said his wife sharply i do not appreciate the necessity when i think of that day and that night we spent at home they live in the eastern suburbs of the city when i think of that day and that night the cannon thundering at a distance of ten kilometres thirty kilometres almost thirty my friend the husband corrected ten kilometres i am sure it was not more than ten kilometres my friend but see my little one it was at mur forty kilometres to mur we are at thirteen that makes twenty-seven at least well it sounded like ten that is true it sounded like ten my dear arnold all day and all night we could not go to bed had one any desire to go to bed it was anguish the mere souvenir is anguish she kissed her youngest boy who had long hair come come the soldier calmed her lastly an interior dans le monde a home illustrious in paris for the richness of its collections bric-a-brac fans porcelain furniture modern pictures the walls frescoed by pierre bonnard and his compeers a black marble balcony with an incomparable view in the very middle of the city here several worlds encountered each other authors painters musicians dilettanti administrators the hostess had good-naturedly invited a high official of the foreign office whom i had not seen for many years she did not say so but her aim therein was to expedite the arrangements for my pilgrimage in the war zone sundry of my old friends were present it was wonderful how many had escaped active service either because they were necessary to central administration or because they were neutrals or because they were too old or because they had been declined on account of physical unfitness reformes one or two who might have come failed to do so because they had perished amid the abounding dazzling confusion of objects which it was a duty to admire people talked cautiously of the war with tranquillity and exactness and finality the high official clad in pale alpaca and yellow boots explained the secret significance of yellow books white books orange books blue books the ultimate issues were never touched new yet unprinted music was played schumann though german enough was played then literature came to the top a novelist wanted to know what i thought of a book called the way of all flesh which he had just read it is singular how that ruthless book makes its way across all frontiers he also wanted to know about gissing a name new to him and then a voice from the obscurity of the balcony came startlingly to me in the music-room tell me sincerely do they hate the germans in england do they hate them veritably tell me i doubt it i doubt strongly i laughed rather awkwardly as any englishman would the transient episode was very detrimental to literary talk negotiations for a private visit to the front languished the thing was arranged right enough but it seemed impossible to fix a day actually starting so i went to mur mur had stuck in my ears mur was in history and in romances it is in dumas it was burnt by the normans in the tenth century and terrific massacres occurred outside its walls in the fourteenth century massacres in which the english aristocracy took their full share of the killing 
also in the seventeenth century bousset was bishop of meur finally in the twentieth century the germans just got to meur and they got no further it was so far as i can make out the nearest point to paris which they soiled i could not go even to meur without formalities but the formalities were simple the delatory train took seventy minutes dawdling along the banks of the notorious marne in an automobile one could have done the journey in half the time an automobile however would have seriously complicated the formalities meur contains about fourteen thousand inhabitants yet it seems when you are in it to consist chiefly of cathedral when you are at a little distance away from it it seems to consist of nothing but cathedral in this it resembles chartres and many another city in france we obtained a respectable carriage with a melancholy resigned old driver who said for fifteen francs plus always the pourboire i will take you to barcy which was bombarded and burnt i will show you all the battlefield with those few words he thrilled me the road rose slowly from the canal of the orc it was lined with the most beautiful acacia trees and through the screen of the acacias one had glimpses of the town diminishing and of the cathedral growing larger and larger the driver talked to us in faint murmurs over his shoulder indicating the positions of various villages such as Pontchart, Poncy, Crecy, Montferron, Jambrie, Varedz, all of which will be found in the future detailed histories of the great locust in advance. Did you yourself see any Germans? Yes. Where? At Meur. How many? He smiled. About a dozen. He underestimated the number and the length of the stay, but no matter they were scouts they came into the town for a few hours and left it the germans were deceived they might have got to paris if they had liked but they were deceived how were they deceived they thought there were more english in front of them than actually there were the headquarters of the english were over there at la fête sous joie the english blew up our bridge as a measure of precaution we drove on the first tomb said the driver nonchalantly in his weak voice lifting an elbow there it was close by the roadside and a little higher than ourselves the grave was marked by four short rough posts on which was strung barbed wire a white flag a white cross of painted wood very simply but neatly made a faded wreath we could distinguish a few words of an inscription comrade sixty-six territorials soldiers were buried where they fell and this was the tomb of him who fell nearest to paris it marked the last homicidal effort of the germans before their advance in this region curved eastwards into a retreat this tomb was a very impressive thing the driver had thrilled me again we drove on we were now in a large rolling plain that sloped gradually behind us southwards towards the marne it had many little woods and spinneys and no watercourses to the civilian it appeared an ideal theatre for a glorious sanguinary battle in which thousands of fathers sons and brothers should die violently because some hierarchy in a distant capital was suffering from an acute attack of swelled head 
a few trenches here and there could still be descried but the whole land was in an advanced state of cultivation wheat and oats and flaming poppies had now conquered the land had overrun and possessed it as no germans could ever do the raw earth of the trenches struggled vainly against the tide of germination the harvest was going to be good this plain with its little woods and little villages glittered with a careless and vast satisfaction in the sheets of sunshine that fell out of the blue too intense for the gaze we saw a few more tombs and a great general monument or cenotaph to the dead constructed at crossroads by military engineers the driver pointed to the village of pinchard which had been pillaged and burnt by the enemy it was only about a mile off but in the strong dazzling light we could distinguish not the least sign of damage then we came to a farmhouse by the roadside it was empty it was a shell and its roof was damaged the germans had gutted it they had taken away its furniture as booty what they intended to do with furniture out of a perfectly mediocre farmhouse hundreds of miles from home it is difficult to imagine articles which it did not suit them to carry off they destroyed wine casks of which they could not drink the wine they stove in and then they retreated this farmhouse was somebody's house just as your home is yours and mine mine to some woman or other every object in it was familiar she glanced at the canister on the mantelpiece and said to herself i really must clean that canister to-morrow there the house stood with holes in its roof empty and if there are half a million similarly tragic houses in europe to-day as probably there are such frequency does not in the slightest degree diminish the forlorn tragedy of that particular house which i have beheld at last barcy came into view the pierced remains of its church tower over the brow of a rise in the plain barcy is our driver's show-place barcy was in the middle of things the fighting round barcy lasted a night and a day and barcy was taken and retaken twice you see the new red roofs said the driver as we approached by those new red roofs you are in a state to judge a little what the damage was some of the newly made roofs however were of tarred paper the street by which we entered had a smallpox of shrapnel and bullet marks the post office had particularly suffered its bones were laid bare it had not been restored but it was ready to do any business that fell to be done though closed on that afternoon we turned a corner and came upon the church the work on the church was well up to the reported teutonic average of its roof only the rafters were left the windows were all smashed and their lead fantastically twisted the west door was entirely gone a rough grill of strips of wood served in its stead through this grill one could see the nave and altar in a miraculous and horrible confusion it was as if housebreakers had spent days in doing their best to produce a professional effect the oak pews were almost unharmed immediately behind the grill lay a great bronze bell about three feet high covered with beautifully incised inscriptions it was unhurt apparently nothing had been accomplished in ten months towards the restoration of the church 
but something was contemplated perhaps already started a polished steel saw lay on one of the pews but there was no workman attached to it while i was writing some notes in the porch three little boys came up and diligently stared at me what dost thou want i said sharply to the tallest nothing he replied then three widows came up one young one young and beautiful one middle-aged we got back into the carriage the village seems very deserted i said to the driver well what would you he answered many went they had no home few have returned all around were houses of which nothing remained but the stone walls the germans had shown great prowess here and the french still greater it was a village upon which rival commanders could gaze with pride it will remember the fourth and the fifth of september nineteen fourteen we made toward chambry chambry is a village which like meaux lies below the plain chambry escaped glory but between it and barcy on the intervening slope through which a good road runs a battle was fought you know what kind of a battle it was by the tombs these tombs were very like the others an oblong of barbed wire a white flag a white cross sometimes a name more often only a number rarely a wreath you see first one then another then two then a sprinkling and gradually you perceive that the whole plain is dotted with gleams of white flags and white crosses so that graves seem to extend right away to the horizon marked by lines of trees then you see a huge general grave much glory about that spot and then a tomb with a black cross very disconcerting that black cross it is different not only in color but in shape from the other crosses sinister you need not be told that the body of a german lies beneath it the whole devilishness of the prussian ideal is expressed in that black cross then as the road curves you see more black crosses many black crosses very many no flags no names no wreaths on these tombs just a white stenciled number in the centre of each cross women in germany are still lying awake at nights and wondering what those tombs look like watching over all the tombs white and black without distinction are notices respect the tombs but the wheat and the oats are not respecting the tombs everywhere the crops have encroached on them half hiding them smothering them climbing right over them in one place wheat is ripening out of the very body of a german soldier such is the nearest battlefield to paris corporate excursions to it are forbidden and wisely for the attraction of the place were it given play would completely demoralize meur and the entire district in half an hour we were back at an utterly matter-of-fact railway station in whose cafe an utterly matter-of-fact and capable frenchwoman gave us tea and when we reached paris we had the news that a staff captain of the french army had been detailed to escort us to the front and to show us all that could safely be seen nevertheless whatever i may experience i shall not experience again the thrill which i had when the weak and melancholy old driver pointed out the first tomb that which we had just seen was the front once
End of chapter 1